welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. All right, let's jump into Scripture today. We're going to start a new sermon series uh, for the next few weeks entitled Joy. Um, so yeah, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And that's actually our, that's actually our main Scripture, Nehemiah chapter 8, uh, verse 10. Uh, you can put that up for you. That's going to be the main Scripture we're going to look at. Uh, he says, so do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is not an anti-grief sermon. Uh, or an anti-grief uh, uh, scripture. God's okay with grief. Um, but man, grief is supposed to, is intended to be just for a season. You're not supposed to live in that. Um, and there is a time where you have to set aside grief. Sometimes your flesh would rather grieve. Um, but yet he says, do not grieve in those times. It's actually healthy to lean on the joy of the Lord. So I want to talk to you today about the joy of the Lord and how that is our strength. And I, 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 I want to look at a, a passage in First Samuel. It's actually a passage that I've been um, walking through uh, for the past few weeks that I've been preaching here. Um, it started off in, I think, chapter 13 a few weeks ago. We looked at First Samuel 13, where Saul is anointed king of Israel, and he's the new king, and he's ready to go to war, and then he becomes impatient, and he offers the sacrifice before Samuel comes. You guys remember that? And then after that, I then kept going on with the story because uh, Samuel shows up and says, says to Saul, basically God has chosen a different king and God is going to replace you. But the story doesn't end. That's just simply the reality from Saul's sin that now he's going to have to face that God's going to raise up a different king. That different king is David. But what happens though, the next in the story is that, you know, they're still in trouble. They're still facing the Philistines that have gathered around them and they're way outnumbered. The Philistines as, as, we've, as we've talked about, I mean, it's like there's, what is there, 30,000 chariots alone, plus like several thousand uh, horses and horsemen and soldiers, as many as the sand on the seashore, the scripture says. That's a lot of soldiers, you know. Uh, it's it's, 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 it's kind of like, you know, Mordor. Uh, it's, like, it's, it's like, I don't know if any of you know the, the movies, but um, yeah, the Lord of the Rings. I mean, this is like so many orcs, like you can't even count them. And, and what, happens, what happens next is pretty interesting, right? And I, I preached on that because Jonathan turns to his armor bearer. There's only two swords in, the whole, in all of Israel. Jonathan has a sword and Saul has a sword. And Jonathan turns to his armor bearer and he says, let's go see what God might do. And uh, so the great faith that maybe God will do something awesome. And he steps into the fight and he, and he steps out in faith and God does do something awesome. God shakes the ground, right? God creates an earthquake. God creates confusion. God, God wins a victory for them that day. And remember how uh, that, sto- that part of the story ended in that Jonathan and his, like these two guys take on all of these orcs, right? And they're not really orcs. They're, isn't there orcs in the Bible? No, these are just regular soldiers. These are Philistines. They take on the entire army and they begin pressing back the army so that the army starts, starts fighting each other and then they start fleeing. Well, what happens is all of the Israelites who had deserted them end up coming back on the camp. Uh, uh, Saul, who was sitting under the pomegranate tree, remember that? He was disengaged. He becomes engaged. And that's what happens in response to great faith. People who are disengaged become engaged. And now 
in the, the part of the story that we're going to read today, they are now pursuing the Philistines. So, like, what a turn of events, right? Uh, in just a couple chapters prior, they were the ones in trouble and surrounded and outnumbered and worried about what was going to happen. And now this army is pursuing the Philistines, chasing them, basically, out of their country. And that's where we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 24. Um, with these words, which is quite weird, because you would expect this to be a very exciting time. This is a time where these two guys just literally flipped the whole army. The whole battle was flipped by two guys. Great victory. This is amazing. There's so much momentum. But in verse 24, it says, now the Israelites, that's the people of God, that's Saul and, and his son Jonathan, were in distress that day. It seems weird that you would be in distress on the day where there's so much victory. And yet this is, this is true to life. There's, there can be so many things going right, but you can still be in distress on that day. He says the Israelites were in distress on that day, not because of the enemy, but because Saul, the king, had bound the people under an oath saying, cursed be anyone who eats food before evening comes, before I have avenged myself on my enemies. So none of the troops tasted food. The entire army entered the woods and there was honey on the ground. When they went into the woods, they saw the honey oozing out, yet no one put his hand to his mouth because they feared the oath that Saul had made. Now this, this is what's interesting, that you have to remember the context, like God has, there's been this, this God-ordained earthquake these two guys, they only have two swords in the whole army, and, 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 and one of them just completely just flipped the whole battle. They've had these, desert, these deserters who had, who had fled from them. They've rejoined them. Their brothers are back. Saul is back in the game. He's engaged again. He's not sitting under the pomegranate tree eating his fig newtons. He's now, he's now fighting. And yet, the entire army is under distress because of what Saul said. Now, why would Saul say, curse be anyone who eats food before evening comes, until I've avenged myself on my enemies? Well, he, essentially, he's saying, we're not going to slow down. We're not going to take a, a lunch break. This is him putting the pedal to the metal. This is him putting his foot on the accelerator, saying, you know what? We have the advantage. We have a, 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 a season here, and we really have to go for it. We really have to accomplish this victory um, so we don't have time to eat, right? It's, it's basically his way of, of trying to speed this thing up, of double time. Like, let's, like you're, we're not going to stop because he knows there's this honey on the ground. He knows the soldiers are hungry. They're going to want to sit. They're going to want to eat lunch. It's going to slow them down, and it's going to allow the enemy to get away. And so Saul, again, his impatience <laughs> is causing him some trouble. And so he makes this, he makes this decree. He says, no one's going to eat. And he's not eating either, by the way. He's not being mean to anybody. He's just saying, look, not, we don't have time for this. We don't have time to eat. We're going to press on through. And then in verse 27, his son, Jonathan, the guy who actually started this whole revolution, had not heard his father. He had bound the people with an oath. So he reached out the end of his staff that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb. And he raised his hand to his mouth and his eyes brightened. Eyes brightened. That's New King James for he felt better. <laughs> and he looked better, right? That's what it means to be, to have bright eyes. It means, wow, you look, you look, you look healthy. He felt better and he looked better. Verse 28, 
Then one of the soldiers told him, your father bound the army under a strict oath saying, cursed be anyone who eats food today. That's why the men are faint. Jonathan said, my father has made trouble for this country. See how my eyes, see how I felt better. When I tasted a little bit of this honey, how much better would it have been if the men had eaten today some of the plunder that they took from their enemies? Would not the slaughter of the Philistines have been greater? Wouldn't we have had greater victory if we had greater vitality, if we had greater health? On that day after the Israelites had struck down the Philistines from Michmash to um, Ajalon, they were exhausted. Verse 32, uh, they pounced on the plunder and they took sheep and cattle and calves and butchered them on the ground and ate them together with the blood like they didn't even wait to cook them because they were so hungry. And then someone said to Saul, look, the men are sinning against the Lord by eating meat that has blood in it. And Saul said, you have broken faith. And they get on to this other story where they try to ask forgiveness from God for the faith that they have broken. But, but unfortunately, Saul had put himself and his men in a position uh, to break faith. He had put his men in, and he put them in a position to sin because he did not take time to eat some honey. So I believe that there's some secrets to joy here to receiving the joy of the Lord, first off, you have to take time to enjoy the journey. So today, I want to talk to you about enjoying the journey. Uh, I want to talk to you about how to enjoy the journey, how to, how to have something sweet in the middle of something difficult. How to, how to, how to, how to have something... Uh, ha- Next week, I'm going to, talk to you, talk to you about prioritizing health over heroics, because that's, that's also really important. Because what happens is Saul... It, like it, 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 probably the other title for this sermon could be two men walk into a forest <laughs> and that's not a joke but I mean it sounds like the setup for a joke maybe we should maybe next week we should have a like a funny video at the beginning just it's the joy sermon and we'll just have a some dad jokes maybe Does that sound good all right anyway two men walk into the forest and you have two different men walking into the forest but they're both in the same situation right you have Saul and you have Jonathan Saul has a sword. Jonathan has a sword. Saul has just experienced a great victory from God. Jonathan has just experienced a great victory from God. Saul is pursuing his enemies. Jonathan is pursuing his enemies. They both walk into the same forest at the same time in the same circumstances. And yet they walk out of the forest very differently. So, 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 the, you know, Saul, he, he, he's so, um, he's so obsessed with where he's going that he doesn't take time to enjoy where he is. And, you know, some of you are you're looking at me like, what is, what, what, I've never done that. What is, what is that? Whatever. Like, I, I think some of you just, you just need to, you just need to be honest in the house of the Lord. How many of you have just walked, how many of you have just been so focused on where you're going that you cannot enjoy where you are? Yeah, I mean, am I the only one who is like, it's like, man, I get so, I get so tunnel vision sometimes. I, I, I don't see stuff around me. And if I see it, I, I don't stop for it or I don't slow down to eat of it or to enjoy it because I'm going somewhere. 
because I got a mission. There's this, there's this thing that's happening in my life. And sometimes, it, sometimes it, it can be negative, right? Like when I was 16. So I've shared with you guys many times that my kids, they get me to tell stories from my past every, every evening, right? And so they choose an age because I have a really good memory. So you tell me a number and I'll give you five memories from that year and um, we'll make it exciting. And as you know, I can, I can make stories go really long. And they like that at bedtime because then their, their bedtime goes longer, you know? So I got to like watch the clock like I do on Sundays. I got to watch the clock because otherwise they'll be like, oh, dad's letting us stay up, you know, extra long. But it's, so they'll, they'll ask me stories. And, 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 and so every year and then like you always like around the year 16, I don't have that many stories from 16 because when I was 16, I went through some depression. And not publicly. I wasn't like diagnosed or anything. I, I, if I would have gone to a doctor, I'm sure I would have been diagnosed and given some pills. But, but I, I didn't, I did, it was private kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, like, uh, in fa- like really thinking about suicide and, and all of that kind of thing. And so I don't actually have that many memories from when I was 16. And maybe some of you can relate. There's been times in your life when maybe you were drinking something or smoking a lot of something or uh, just, you're, it, it can be negative, right? Because you can be so consumed with this heaviness. Like, like I, uh, there's, there, there, there's, there's, a, there's a hurriedness to Saul's oath. He's not saying this because this is what is best for him and his people. He's saying this because he feels like he has no choices. And when you're living out of a lack of choice, when you're living out of a push, when you're living out of something that's driving you, usually to a negative or unhealthy behavior, what's going to happen is you're not going to have time or even mental space to notice. Like during my 16th year, I didn't have, I didn't have the capacity to notice all of the sweet people around me. I was too busy focused on my disappointments and what I was not and what I did not have and what I, what, and, and, and I felt like there was no other option. Like it was a tunnel. There were, I had no choices in this matter. And I'm going through this forest called teenagehood, but I don't have to, and I can't enjoy it because for me, it's not going to be good until I get out of this. All right, until I get, until I have that capacity, until I have that ability, until I can make those choices for myself. And so it's like, I'm, I'm suffering, right, like in silence, but I'm doing it to myself. It's not even the enemy. Okay, yeah, none of you have ever done that. So it's all good. You have, you have all wonderful memories from where you were 16 year old. And, okay, fine. But it can also be good stuff though. Like when we first started the church, we started in 2015. I don't know if you know this or not, but starting a church is a lot of work. And so I just visited with, you know, a church that is starting. And I mean, you get up early at the, at the like ungodly hours in the morning. Like Jesus isn't even up then. Like it's you and the forces of darkness and your trailer. And like, you're on your own, bro. Like it's just, you're just hoping that by the time Jesus wakes up at 730, that you're still alive and well, and he's going to look after you then. I don't know. Maybe the Holy Spirit stays up later. Maybe that's what it is. And they, they, they take turns. I don't know how it works, but you feel alone. Like it's dark, it's cold and you're on that truck. Like, and then you're setting up every Sunday, you're tearing down. Like literally there were times where I'd be preaching and I'm just then waking up as I'm preaching. Like we just did all all of the worship. I did my announcements. I did my whole first point. And, and I'm just now starting to remember what it was I was doing today. It's, it's kind of a weird experience, you know? And so, and so, so I didn't take in, like any days off. Like the first couple of years of City Chapel, I didn't take any day. I don't even think I, I took like part of Christmas off. Like, like part of like the morning of Christmas. And then the afternoon, I spent a few hours like texting everybody in the church to wish, wish them Merry Christmas, right? And then to check in with people. And so like, I didn't hardly take any days off. 
And so I remember one day we were a couple of years into maybe like 2017 or so, and I was looking at some of those memories on Facebook where they bring up like of your kids, you know, the memories. And and, and I, I saw some some memories of like. Um, Madden and Micah, my kids, participating in some of the church stuff that we would do. We would do outreaches, we'd do kids' churches, and they always enjoyed it. They always loved our church, which was great. I, I, didn't, I never had to force them to, you're the pastor's kid, so you're coming. It wasn't like that. Like they, they, they liked it, which was a good sign to me. I'm like, well, if my kids like it, hopefully other kids will like it, and this is good. And, and, and I remember looking at some of those memories, and I, I, don't know, I just felt, I got, I got, I got real like, emotional about it. And I started crying and it, it, because it, I, I felt like, like I was missing, like I was missing my kids growing up. I, I, I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but it's like you're so focused on doing something good, on planning a church, on pastoring, on reaching people, on, 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 on evangelizing, on, you know, getting, uh, making sure that the band, you know, the, the drums work. And like you're so focused on like all these details that you miss the sweet kids in your house and so I came home from the office that day and I was like babe I don't know like I think I'm just I'm missing a lot and she's like yeah because you kind of are <laughs> I said, well thanks for the encouragement uh, and so I, I began making decisions okay fine I, you know because 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 I would like tell Eddie to take the day off you know on Labor Day or whatever, but I wouldn't take the day off. I would tell, like, Eddie to, you know, I, I would tell the staff, like, all right, you guys be sure to, like, take the day off. And I wouldn't do it. And so I was like, okay, maybe I should just start doing what I tell other people to do. Maybe that'd be a good idea. And actually, why? Because you have to take time to enjoy the sweetness that's around you. If you don't take time to enjoy the sweetness, like, where you're at, you're not going to take time to enjoy it when you get to wherever it is you think you're going. Like wherever you're, wherever you're, because this is what happens, right? They're so hungry because they didn't eat on the way that when they got there, they, they literally, they, they, like they should have taken out their enemies, right? Taken the, 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 the plunder and the spoil of that, taken it back home, had a big feast with their family, but they were so hungry that they couldn't share it with their family. They ate it all in the field in an ungodly way. So then they had to ask forgiveness for, for a victory, like it's crazy to me that, 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 that just not enjoying the journey can also make you really forfeit the, the prize at the end of the journey. Like you end up losing what it is you're chasing for because you can't enjoy where you're at. And that's true like of pastors, that's true of parents, that, that's true of single people. Come on, single people. If you can't enjoy being single, you're not going to enjoy being married. Like if you can't learn to taste the sweetness of, of your singleness, if you can't learn to say, man, God's blessed me with this season of single, instead of seeing it as a curse or a force, I just got to get through. I just got to make it. I got to swipe right until I just get out of here, right? Like, I, like instead, of, instead, instead of making it this, this, this awful tunnel that I just have to make my way through, no, like what if God's placed some really sweet things in the middle of it? What if God's like put some stuff on the floor for you right there in your path? And if you just slow down for just a second, like the, the deal is like Jonathan's still walking, right? So, so two guys walk into a forest, Saul walks into a forest, he's walking, but he's not looking. 
Jonathan walked in the forest. He's walking, but while he's walking, he's also looking. So it's not that you stop. It's not that you like shut down and be like, okay, I'm not going to move. I'm just going to stay right here. Like, no, like God has a plan for your life. You should start following that plan. You should pursue that. Absolutely. I'm not saying just, uh, what's the, what's the common thing in Austin? Uh, not all who wander are lost. Yeah, and it's like, well, yeah, but a lot of them are. Um, so it's like this idea that it's like, well, I'm just going to case sirrah, sirrah. I'm going to walk through life. I'm not going to have any mission or any plans. I'm not going to have any purpose to my life. I'm not going to aim for anything. I'm just going to like wander in the forest. That, that's, not, that's not what Jonathan's doing. He's not just chilling. He's not, he's, not, he's, he's, not, he's not just giving up all goals and all focus and laying it down. Just like, whatever you want to do, Lord. No, he has a, he has a mission. No, like some people think that that's what they have to do when they come to God. Like, oh, I have to give up all my dreams and all my plans and all my desires and all my, like, I just got to lay it all down and just, and just, just, just wait for him to tell me when to eat breakfast. And like, I, I talked to one lady, she said she prayed about which breakfast she should, which cereal she should eat in the morning. I said, well, that's just a waste of time. Like, you know, clearly God wants you to eat Captain Crunch peanut butter crunch. There's nothing else that God, thus saith the Lord. Let me clear this up for you, you know. He does not want you to eat Wheaties. That is not of the Lord. That's nasty stuff. Like, the Lord is all about Captain Crunch. So, you know, but no, like, if you think God even cares, like, this is a problem here. If you're so concerned about your, your relationship with him that you got to check in before you pour some cereal, no, like, no, eat whatever cereal you want. Get a breakfast taco if you want, you know what I'm saying? It's probably healthier than Captain Crunch. And then go about your day. So it's, it's, it's not like you just sit back and, and just wait for God to direct you. But, but it is that as you're walking, are you able to walk and appreciate what's around you at the same time? Can you walk with your eyes open? Can you walk while observing what God has left for you? God, like they're walking into a forest and, and, and Saul sees this as an obstacle. He's got to make it through this as if... <laughs> As if his, like, this is the dude who was just sitting under a pomegranate tree. Like, this is so us, right? We go from disengaged, I can't do anything, the world, the sky is falling, to woo-hoo, woo-woo-woo. Like, bro, you weren't even doing anything five minutes ago. Like, you're sitting under the pomegranate tree, and now you think your effort is somehow going to speed up the power of God? You didn't even have faith that God would do anything five minutes ago. And now all of a sudden, if you just try a little harder and fast all day, God's going to move even greater. What? Oh, come on. Like, isn't there, isn't, like, do you have something between zero and 150 miles an hour? Like, is there some kind of way, a balance in your life? Or is it just like all or nothing? Is it just 100 miles to an hour, an hour pedal to the metal or, or stopped in a parking lot and not moving? Man, I love Jonathan here because he's got some balance. <laughs> he's willing to step out in faith. He's willing to believe God when, when other people aren't. But then at the same time, when other people who five minutes ago weren't even willing to get in the fight, when they're the ones now that are super spiritual, we're going to fast all day. Wow, yeah, that's not what you were saying under the pomegranate tree while you're eating those fig Newtons. Like, that's, that's, he changed, like, like, Jonathan keeps the same posture. 
He keeps the same posture. He walks into the forest the same way that he was fighting back here is the same way he walks into the forest. He's trusting God. He's believing God. He's taking steps of faith forward. He's moving forward. And he's looking for the resources that God has placed in his life. And Saul's doing the exact same thing he was doing under the pomegranate tree. He's trusting himself. He's leaning on his own understanding and his own strength. And he says, you know what? If God could do that with little old Jonathan, imagine what God could do with my determination and with my strength and with my fasting. Wow, just look out. This is going to be awesome. He's doing the exact same thing. He's not really resting in God. He's impatient as he was before. He thinks that his effort can add to God's power. And so he's restless. And so he's got FOMO. And so he's not able to sit back and say, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. But I cannot push God's agenda forward at all with my effort. And so why, why bother rushing into something that God has already... Because this, this, uh, this is what Jonathan says. He says, wouldn't the victory have been greater if we would have taken the resources that God had left for us? Because this is really what Saul is saying. Saul saw the honey and Saul said, I'm good. I don't need that. I don't need, it's not like, I, it's not like I'm weak. I mean, sure, I was just sitting by the pomegranate tree, like uh, giving up on life, but it's, it's all good. I'm back in the fight now. That was yesterday. I'm a whole different man today. Oh, it's big time difference. <laughs> That's not how life works, by the way. No, you grow into maturity. You make decisions and steps into maturity. You don't just snap your finger and now all of a sudden you're a super spiritual leader. No, Saul is still relying on his own strength. There's this resource that God's placed in front of him and he says, you know what, I don't need it, I'm good. Jonathan, on the other hand, says, I need it. I've been fighting all day. See, every, every one of us here today, like we're either in a fight <laughs> or, or we're just, just getting out of a fight or we're about to step into a fight. So you might want to learn how to rest wherever you are. Because all of us, spiritually speaking, the, the enemy's never going to let up. So we're either in a fight or we just got out of a fight or we're about to step into a fight. But if we, if we resist the, the resources that God's placed in front of us, and that's, and that's the thing, the, your, your, your children are supposed to be a resource of blessing to you. Your spouse is supposed to be a resource of blessing to you. Your church is supposed to be a resource and a blessing to you, right? Your small group is supposed to be a, a resource and a, and a blessing to you. But if you, if you your prayer time uh, in the morning is supposed to be a resource and a blessing to you. Opening up the Bible is supposed to be a resource and a blessing to you. But when it, when it, when it, when it becomes this, this habit or this thing that it's like you have to do, but really you're like, I don't really need that. I, I think I'm fine without that today. I think I'm fine without, without joining a small group this week. I think I'm fine without going to church. Really what you're saying is, I, I don't need that, that resource. I'm, I'm good on my own. I have my own strength and, and, I, and I'm pretty sure that I can, I can attack the enemies in my life. I'm pretty sure I can get victory for myself. And Saul is the exact same Saul and he's walking through the forest. Whereas Jonathan walks through the forest, he says, no way, actually I need something more than what I have inside myself. And so he reaches for the sweetness. He reaches for the honey. And so that's what I encourage you to do today, to reach for it. You say, I don't, I don't feel like it. I don't feel joyful. I don't want to fake it. That's, that's really good. That's really good. The, the desire not to fake joy is, is, is lovely. But you have to understand that you don't, you don't feel it first. 
This is why scripture says, uh, rejoice in the Lord. It's a commandment, right? Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord. And then he says again, one more time for those in the back, I say rejoice. Like, so it's a, it's a commandment. It's not, it's not a, it's not a, it's not like a man. I really hope you get to a place where you feel joyful. No, he, he says you, what you need to do is you need to choose to rejoice. And so Jonathan had to choose to reach out and grab that honey before he felt it. In fact, that's what he said. He says, don't you see how I feel better after I ate it? <laughs> after I, I, I tasted of the sweetness of it, then I felt better. I didn't feel good before. I felt like you, like I look like you. You, you look faint, right? Is what the New King James says. You look rough. You look tired. You look, you look like you're barely holding it on. And that's how I felt until I tasted of the sweetness that God had placed in front of me. Until I decided to rejoice in the Lord. Until I decided to encourage myself in the Lord. Until I decided that I was going to be joyful. And it's not that I faked a feeling. I decided that I was going to reach for joy. I decided I was going to taste and see that the Lord is good. And after I tasted, then I was like, man, I actually feel a lot better. And it's amazing how after you decide something, you feel so much better. After you decide to look for and engage in. I'm telling you what, when I decided to start taking days off, when I decided to start hanging out with my kids more and take them out on date nights, when I decided to, to play, you know, Nerf guns with Micah, when I, when I decided to, to engage with my kids, I felt better. It's really weird. I didn't feel better before I decided. I didn't feel like, oh, I'm so, this is so wonderful. But no, but, bef but after I decided to engage my kids, then I received the joy. After I decided to have that conversation with, with my wife, then I had joy. So it's, it's, there's, there's a decision first that, that says, I'm going, to, I'm going to choose to look around in my life and see what God has placed around me and how I can choose to pick that up. And after I, like, you don't have to feel it first. You usually have to look for it. Yeah, find it. You find it long before you feel it. And then after you find it, and after you, like the, the, the old hymn, count your blessings, right? So this, 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 this is how you can find joy. One, you can look around where you are and look for sweet, the sweet things that God has placed in your life. Not sin, all right? Uh, uh, weed is not a sweet thing God has placed in your life. <laughs> uh, alcohol is not a sweet thing God's placed in your life. Because those, thing all, those things all detract from your life, right? Uh, addiction is not a sweet thing God's placed in your life. That's you trying to comfort you. But a sweet thing God's placed in your life is a channel through which God will comfort you. It's, it's, it's a biblical channel through which God will comfort you. That's why I mentioned kids and spouse, because that's what the family is supposed to be. It's supposed to be the path by which God communicates his love to us. Right? And so, and, and, and so your spouse, if you're married, your parents, if you're not married, you say, you don't know my parents. They're not going to communicate joy. No, man. Like, there's, you, you, you have to look. Sometimes it's like you're in a whole forest and there's a little bit of honeycomb. That's okay. Like, you got to look for it. You got to look for the sweetness. You got to look for the place in which God wants to communicate joy to you. And, and it's, oftentimes it's in people. There's some sweet people around you. There's some sweet uh, uh, scriptures uh, on your bedside table. There's, there's some sweet uh, songs on YouTube, Christian worship songs that you can be listening to. There's some sweet worship uh, services that you can attend at City Chapel, like on Wednesday night if you want, just throwing it out there. There's some sweet small groups going on. There's, there, there's, there's a lot of sweetness around you that you can tap into. You can choose to reach out for. 
right? And so that's, that's, that's one way is to, is to look for, and then the other way is to count your blessings or to look just simply on your past and say, man, look, look at the, 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 count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by, Poppy knows it. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. This is back in the day, that's hymn number 407, I think. Anyway, I don't know. I totally made that up. Uh, but, you know, but no, like, it is helpful at times when you're feeling stressed, when you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling pushed, when you're feeling like, I have to go, I have to go, I have to go, I have to go, I have to go. Stop for a second and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What am I so, what am I chasing? What am I so afraid of missing out on? What am I so, what, what, where, am I, where am I going that, that, that I'm in such a hurry that I cannot enjoy right here, right where I am? That I, can just, that I can just thank God for what has brought me here. I mean, that day, some pretty awesome stuff had happened. Like, I think the reason why Jonathan's not in a hurry is because he just saw God do some pretty awesome stuff. And if God did all of that, surely God's going to take care of what God did before the forest, he can do after the forest, right? But if you, but if you didn't have faith in God before the forest, then you're not going to have faith in God for after the forest, and you're going to be driving yourself. And Saul's driving himself, and I want you to be God-driven, not self-driven. I want you to be driven by, a, by an absolute optimism in the capacity of God in your life. Like, what if, what if we woke up every morning and just had an optimism about the capacity of God today? Like, what might God do? What, I mean, you, you, because you can focus on, you know, the, 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 the burdens of your life, or you can count your blessings. And so I talked about that a while back, about how my, 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 my property, my 14 acres, and the shack that we lived in was a burden. And uh, but that's because I saw it as a burden. And as soon as, it began, as soon as I began to count the blessings about my burden, suddenly I realized that, it, 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 yeah, it was not exactly a free blessing, but it was actually a blessing. There was some inconvenience, but it was a blessing. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to choose to thank God for this instead of complaining about this. And so that's a very simple, practical way. It's just begin to count your blessings. Begin to look for the sweet things in your life, the sweet people in your life. Begin to count your blessings as you walk through life. But ultimately, joy, these are practical ways. The best way, though, is to receive the Holy Spirit. Because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It is not just a choice, even though it is. It's a choice to rejoice, but joy is actually a fruit of the Spirit, meaning it grows naturally out of you. Like fruit on an apple tree, you don't go and, and tie apples to the apple tree branches and say, oh, look at this great apple tree. <laughs> um, and, yet, and yet I feel like sometimes we do that in church. We're like, oh, I should be happy, so let me just tie this, this smile on my outside today. <laughs> yeah, and a smile and joy are two very different things. Joy is something that grows out of you. It's, it's not always smiling. Sometimes you're, you're crying. Sometimes you're grieving, absolutely. But, but it's, there's, this, there's, this, there's this undying uh, optimism about the capacity of God in your life. And it's growing out of you. You don't have to put it on. It's growing out of you. It's growing, and, and it's natural. It's from the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians is a, is a passage I've been reading uh, quite a bit lately. Uh, first, I don't think we have it on the screen, but First Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul is rejoicing and bragging on the church in Thessalonica. And, and he says to them, he says, when we came to you, uh, in verse 6, he says, you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit. 
So I love that. It's like they receive the word with much affliction, but with joy in the Holy Spirit. And I feel like in this season, in the middle of a pandemic, there's a lot of affliction. There's a lot of nervousness. There's a lot of uncertainty and anxiousness. Uh, there's, there's a lot of viruses going around. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of concerns about, um, you know, conspiracy theories. And so many ways in which, in which we are constantly being pulled toward the affliction. And we see the affliction, and yet Paul says this church in Thessalonica was also in great affliction. They were also struggling greatly. A lot of sorrow, a lot of disappointment, a lot of hurt, a lot of loss, a lot of pain. And yet he says in the midst of that, you had this joy that came from the Holy Spirit. And so that's been my prayer for a while now, is that God would baptize us in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in joy. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the Pentecostals would say evidence of speaking in tongues. And certainly that's awesome too. But the actual evidence of the Holy Spirit, the fruit, is love, joy, peace, patience. So the actual fruit is when you start speaking in joy. Yeah. Now, there's a gift of speaking in tongues, and I pray that you receive that as well. But the, the gift of speaking in joy is far greater. Because this is the evidence. This is how people say, oh, they, they have something different. Yeah. Now, if someone's just speaking in tongues, they might say, they're crazy. Huh. Right? Because they don't understand it. And they might say, oh, that's, just, that's, that's weird. Yeah, but, but speaking in joy isn't weird. Speaking in joy makes them go, wait a minute, so you're, you have this struggle, you have these difficulties, you have the same affliction, you're in the same forest I am, dealing with the same nonsense and craziness, same relatives that I'm dealing with, you're dealing with the same in-laws, like all this stuff, like wow, how in the world, how are you still speaking joy? How are you still walking in joy? And that's why Paul says your testimony went out to all the people in this region because they heard about your joy. They heard about the fact that you received the word. They know how much poverty you have. They know how difficult it is for you to pay the bills. They know how much you've lost. They know how, how difficult it is for you. And yet they, they heard about your joy. And that was a far greater testimony. The joy of the Lord is a far greater testimony than any uh, gift of the Spirit, be it prophecy or be it tongues or be it the various things which the Holy Spirit does. But the greatest gift is, or the greatest evidence is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what draws people to the cross. This is what draws people to Christians. They say, "Why well, you have so much love about you. Wow, how, how, how are you so loving after you've been so hurt? How does that work out? After you've been so abandoned, how are you so loving? Oh, well, that's the Holy Spirit within me creating love within me. The fruit of the Spirit grows out of me like love and like joy. It's interesting. Joy is like the second one on the list right after love. Because right after God gives you a love for others, He gives you a joy or an optimism. An optimism about God's capacity in your life. And so, Lord, we, we, we just want to live in your joy. We want to receive. That's, that's the key, is you receive the joy of the Lord. Because it's the Holy Spirit, right? So you, you, you don't work for it. You don't earn it. You receive it. And so if you're here today and you'd like to receive the joy of the Lord, would you, let's, just, let's just go to him right now as we begin to close out our service. And um, actually, would you just stand with me? Uh, let's go to him in prayer. And let's just open up, open up our arms if you want to receive a fresh wave of joy today. Uh, Father, yeah, Pete, you can come up and play if you like. But Father, we just come before you. We want to receive the joy of the Lord today. We want to receive the joy of your perspective. 
<laughs> That's another thing. Lord, we may be in the forest and we can't see what's after the forest, but you see what's after the forest. And so we trust you. Lord, we want to receive joy, and the joy comes from the Holy Spirit. And you said that you would pour out your spirit, you would give your spirit to those who ask you. That's what you said. You said that if we be in human, give good gifts to our kids, how much more will God, the Father, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so you may already have the Holy Spirit living inside you. That's great. Uh, but man, sometimes you need a refreshing of that, a rebaptism of that, a re-energizing of that. And so, Father, we do ask for joy. <laughs> and it's more than just happiness, but it is happiness. It is. It is, it is a smile. It is optimism. It is a belief that God is on the move, that God is doing things in my life. It is a realization of what God has done in my life. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would open up our eyes right now as we walk through a different forest. All of us are going through our own issues right now. But as we, as we walk through this forest, Lord, may we see what you've laid out for us. May we see the sweet stuff, right? Even right now, Lord, we ask that you would come and into the, the eyes of our heart and into our mind and begin to reveal to us things we've been missing, things we've been walking past, things we've been ignoring, things we thought we didn't have time for. Reveal it to us even right now. Reveal to us the sweetness that you've placed around us, the sweet people that you've placed around us maybe. Lord, help us to see it with our, with our mind right now. And then we can see it on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday. Lord, reveal to us what you've placed there for us and help us to reach out for it. Lord, we, we, we commit right now to take some time to enjoy this journey because we're never going to be here again. In 70 million years, we're never going to be where we are right now. Or even after, we, when, when, when we all get to heaven, as the old hymn says, even like we're never going to be right here with this opportunity. We cannot wait till heaven to rejoice because if we wait to heaven to rejoice, we won't have as much to rejoice about because in heaven for 70 million, 80 million, 100 billion years, we're going to be celebrating what happens within this little 70 year span. So Lord, let us not miss this, this season because these 70 years, 75 years, 65 years, 19 years, I don't know, whatever it is, however long we get, like this is it. We're never going to be back here again. We're never going to have these opportunities again to share your love with people. We're never going to have the opportunity to feed kids like this again. We're never going to have the opportunity to participate with you in, in reaching the world with your love again. Like this is, this is our opportunity. And so, Lord, let us seize this opportunity. Let us grab the sweetness. Let us feed our souls, prioritize our health. <laughs> not just some objective and some agenda in some rush. Let us slow down enough to enjoy what you've placed in front of us. And we do, Lord, we thank you for every blessing. We thank you for every victory, for everything that you've done in our lives. <laughs> in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>